Romans chapter 15. We left off at verse 30. And Lord willing, we're going to make it to the, the middle of Romans chapter 16 today. If you guys remember, if you were here last week, we left off where Paul was closing out uh, the book of Romans. Um, he's already gotten through all of the theology, all of the doctrine, even a lot of the, the practical application. And now he's kind of signing off. And we left off in chapter 15, verse 30. You remember it? Think of it. The mighty Apostle Paul begging for your prayers. If you're one of the recipients of this prayer, I think you would be stunned. Paul just lays out this amazing letter and then says, Guys, would you pray for me? I am begging you to pray for me. Look at it. Verse 30. He's begging for the Roman believers to pray for him. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That's where we left off. And if you remember, we look for application here at Calvary Chapel. The application that I came up with, I guess selfishly, pray for me. If Paul needed it, I really need prayer. Pray for me. Pray for the leadership of this church. And so we left off there so that we could start here this week. And by way of review, let me say again, pray for me and for the leadership of this church. But it, listen, if you really want to apply this first, though, and obviously we want to be praying for one another. If you really want to pr- apply this first, though, notice he, he's not recommending here at this point. He's not recommending you just tossing up a few words, say, hey, bless the pastor or bless uh, this person. Look at the end of verse 30. He says that you strive together with me. The word is a very long word that I may be able to pronounce. We'll see. In the Greek, it's synagonitsamai. There, second time. Synagonitsamai. And it means to wrestle together with. The root word is agonitsamai, which is where we get the word agonize. It means to strive, to enter a contest. Literally, if you go in the Blue Letter Bible, you'll find this. To contend in the gymnastic games. To contend with adversaries, to struggle, to fight with through difficulties and dangers, to fight side by side, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to strive to obtain something. Y'all, this is a reminder right off the bat that prayer is a spiritual exercise, a spiritual battle. You remember, you know, when you pray, the devil doesn't like it. Ephesians 6.12 Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul is saying here to the Romans, Romans 15, verse 30, guys, I'm begging you. I have some things that I need a tag team wrestling partner I'm begging you. There's some things that I need you to help me wrestle to the ground. Let me ask you, Saint, by way of application, how's your prayer life? Are you getting good workouts? Or are you praying like one guy did, praying for blanket victory? Victory over the blankets so that you'll wake up and pray. (laughs) Application, if you're looking for one right off the bat, here's one. How about this? Find a prayer partner. I mean, before you leave today, ask someone, hey, Will you be my prayer partner, my tag team wrestling partner, if you will? 
the two of you throwing your hat in the ring to take down the devil's plans because he has plans against you. And he has plans against your family, I promise you. We see it all the time here. He has plans against this church. Would you spend some time wrestling in prayer with a partner? Now, I won't ask you how many of you watch WWF. (laughs) But what I've heard is that that stuff is predetermined. Like whoever wins, they already know it going in. Okay? Let me ask you. I know it's... I don't know why the Lord gives me weird application illustrations, but here it is. Would you enter into a contest with a tag team wrestling partner if you knew for sure that when the final bell sounded, you would win? Because that's what I just described in regards to prayer. We already know the outcome. We win. Would you find a prayer partner and strive together with them so that the devil doesn't get any more victories in battle than he should? Verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive, that is, you wrestle together with me in prayers to God for me. Did you catch that? Paul says, hey, will you partner in prayer with me? And the subject of the prayer is me. (laughs) Will you pray with me for me? Another application. Some of these are elementary, but that's my, that's my job to remind you of things. Here it is. Ask for prayer. Are you one that tends not to ask for prayer? Let me ask you, do you need prayer any less than Paul? Are you saying that you've got it together, you need prayer less than the mighty Apostle Paul? Maybe there's something that this morning you know you need prayer for. Can I ask you what hinders you? Is it pride? Embarrassment? I feel like the texts that we've been looking at over and over again lately, Paul is reminding us we're a family. Look, this is where you ask for prayer. This is where even if it's embarrassing, you let your guard down. You ask for prayer. Maybe that's your application today. We're called to pray for one another. And listen, if if everybody acts like they're doing great, we don't need any prayer here. Who gets to practice? There's nothing to pray for. But notice too that Paul doesn't just ask for prayer for himself, but notice in verse 30 at the end of it that he contributes. Paul contributes to the prayers for Paul. Now that really might sound elementary, but I'm telling you from experience, maybe I'm the only one. You ever do this where you ask someone to pray for you? But you don't pray for yourself? (laughs) Hey, will you pray for me? Because I'm doing this thing. I'm going to be really busy. I don't have time to pray for myself. But maybe you... I do that. I I used to do that a lot more than I do, thankfully. I think Lisa used to really get kind of tired of me. Because that's kind of like, okay, now you're praying, so I don't have to. What is up with that? Again, it's a simple thing. But contribute in the prayers for yourself. Pray for yourself. And... Maybe some of you, you kind of feel weird about praying for yourself. It's more noble or holy to pray for others. Here's what the stuff I'm talking about. Pray for yourself, the inner man kind of stuff. Lord, give me the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. Lord, keep me abiding in you. Lord, use me today for your purposes. Those are all self-prayers, but they're not selfish prayers. Does that make sense? Okay, verse 30, Paul says, 
Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you wrestle together with me in prayers to God for me. So he's got them praying and he's praying for his ministry. Three specific prayer requests now he's going to give. Verse 31 is the first one. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Number two. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And number three, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. So it's first prayer request. And, and Paul is specific here, and I love that. I want to encourage you as well to be specific in your prayers. Um, rather than praying, Lord, bless so-and-so. Um, actually, when you have a prayer request, say, Lord, this is specifically. And the more specific you are, the more you're amazed when he actually answers the prayer, the specific prayer that you pray. He's specific here, verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. You may, may remember last week, Paul gave us his itinerary. He says, I'm on my way down to Jerusalem to deliver this uh, collection uh, offering that I've taken from the Gentiles to give to the poor believing Jews in Jerusalem. They've lost all of their family. Nobody will, will do any business with them because they love Jesus. He says, I've collected from all of these Gentiles and I'm going down to deliver it. And he says, look, the moment I step in my foot in Judea, I'm going to need your prayers. Verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Paul says, number one, I am concerned for my safety while I'm in Judea. He says, pray that I will be delivered from those unbelieving Jews. Now, first question, did, did God answer this prayer? Did he deliver Paul from the unbelieving Jews? Yes. Depends maybe on what your definition of delivered is. If in a boxing match, let's say delivered means he never laid a glove on me. Well, maybe not then. But if instead in a boxing match, delivered means maybe you lost a tooth, but the other guy looks like he's spitting out a box of chiclets, then yes. Let me... Translate that here. If by delivered you mean, you think Paul means uh, that the unbelievers in Judea would throw me a ticker tape parade, then God didn't answer that prayer. But if instead you mean by delivered that the, the unbelieving Jews would want to kill him, try to kill him, riot to kill him, assigned 40 assassins to vow to neither eat nor drink until he was dead... And yet Paul escapes by the skin of his teeth and by the Roman government taking a prisoner. Then yes, he was delivered. Here's a reminder. This is, if you haven't got this, you'll learn it by experience if you haven't yet. Often while God is answering a prayer, it looks like he's not. That's what's going on here. God totally answered that prayer. He delivered Paul from these unbelieving Jews. But he did it via riot and assassins, and prison stays, okay? But, but God did answer that prayer, okay? Verse 31 says, That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, second part of Paul's prayer request, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. In other words, this offering that I'm taking, that the saints in Jerusalem will receive it, and that it will be a goodwill offering between the Jews and Gentiles, both of whom I love. <laughs> All indications are that this second part of the prayer request, God answered immediately and directly. Great stuff. Uh, third part of the prayer, verse 32. That, and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. 
Here's another question. Did Paul, did God answer that prayer? Absolutely. But once again, maybe not exactly how Paul had planned it. Remember, we talked about it last week. I think Paul expected to come into Rome bringing joy with him and just blessing the socks off of the Romans, uh, victory, uh, a wake of victory behind him. Instead, what do we find? We find Paul kind of being led in chains. He's 50 miles outside of Rome. Instead of him bringing joy to Rome, the Romans, this church, brought joy to him. He's 50 miles outside of Rome. He's had imprisonment, hurricane, shipwreck, snake bite. But the church comes 50 miles outside the city. And that was the tradition to give a a conquering general this uh, welcome home. And they did that with Paul. See, I think at this point, Paul was filled with joy, as it says there at the end of that verse. And though he was under house arrest, we believe uh, for the next couple years, he was, it says, refreshed together with them. In other words, God did answer that prayer. He was refreshed together with them. Now, that word refreshed, it's another really long word. It seems like there's going to be a lot of long words today in the Greek. Senanapomai. Yeah, something like that. It means to rest or refresh one's spirits with one or to give and get refreshment by mutual interaction. I got to thinking there's an application there. You ever notice there's some people, when you're with them, they're like spiritual battery chargers. Just hanging out with them. That's what Paul's saying here. I just want to come and we'll both uh, recharge our batteries. People that you spend time with and you just talk to them and, and you get energized. Here's my question to you. Are you one of those? I think we're called to be. We're called to be those people who refresh each other just by being near one another. If that convicts you, here's what I'd suggest. Spend time with the God of peace and refreshment. He's the source of it all. Matter of fact, look at verse 33. He says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He's the God of peace. Peace, you're not going to find it anywhere else. He owns it. It's all His. He gives to whom He desires. And he's, He won't give it to you unless you have peace with Him. Right? So if you have never given your life to Jesus, here's one more indication. If you're looking, why don't I have peace? Why, why are all of my relationships such a wreck? What is going on? Why is there no peace? The God of peace is the one that whom you have to have peace with. Okay? So he says, he, his prayer for the Romans... As we close verse 15 is that the God of peace be with you all. And then he says, Amen. We talked about this last week a little bit. The word Amen means so be it. Uh, In the, the words of those theologians, the Beatles, let it be. Right? So Paul is praying over the Romans. And uh, 2,000 years, it's kind of like he's still praying over you. Let me say the prayer and then you guys say Amen. May the God who owns all peace, the the owner, the only source of real peace, be with you all. And everyone said, Amen. There you go. Now that brings us to chapter 16. Chapter 16, we're going to cover about 16 verses, I think it is. You guys ever write a letter? Actually, you don't remember what a letter is? You use a a pen and paper, parchment, whatever? Okay. Um, Okay, you ever type an email? And you get toward the end and you're like, oh, say hi to, hey, don't forget to say hi to. That's what Paul's doing here. Romans chapter 16. 
There's going to, we're going to look at 26 names. We're going to spend 15 minutes on each name. <laughs> Just to see if you're awake there. No. 26 different names. And, and Paul's going to say, oh, don't forget to say hi to so-and-so. And, oh, don't forget. Now, at first glance, you might look at this and go, well, maybe we should really blow through this really fast. I mean, who cares about Paul's personal greetings? Well, there's some really great reminders here. And here's the very first one. Kind of obvious. The duh factor is very high. Paul had friends. Paul had lots of friends. Best we know, he wrote this letter and he's never even been to Rome. And there's 26 people that he's like, oh, yeah, I know them from Corinth. I know them from Centuria. I know those, these guys from Ephesus. Make sure and say hi to all these people. That's amazing. I, I can barely remember any of your names. <laughs> Paul, Paul here, 26 names in a place that he has never been. I think sometimes we think of the apostles, Peter, Paul, all of these, these folks as holy loners. That they're so unique in their calling and their power that they are... Unapproachable. No, y'all, 26 times Paul writes and says, don't forget to say hi to... And he's never, as far as I could tell, never even been here in Rome yet. First question, Paul had lots of friends. Do you? Listen, we, we need Christian friends. Paul needed Christian friends. He's got 26 people here that he's going to more or less say, look, if it wasn't for them, my ministry wouldn't be what it is. Again, we all can't be Pauls, but we can all be folks who support and who encourage and who pray for people like Paul. Paul had 26 different people here. Paul had lots of Christian friends. Do you? Now, don't answer out loud. But maybe you're thinking, well, I've got like one Maybe two. But I don't really make friends that well because I'm so busy. I'm just too busy. Maybe should I pop that balloon by saying Paul spread the gospel to the whole world? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you're thinking this, and this is the one that I would tend to use. I'm too shy. I know. Again, you're like, you can't be shy. You stand up there. No, in interpersonal communications, it's not my, my strength. It's not something that I just love to do. It's something that I have to work at. I kind of actually like what Skip Heitzig, he's a pastor of Albuquerque, Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque. And he said, he said, now I mean this in love, but if you say, hey, I'm just too shy to have a lot of friends, he says, get over it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. That sounds like it might be harsh, but actually I found it to be true. We all need friends, and to have friends, we need to be friendly. You know what our family memory verse is today? Proverbs 18.24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. To have friends, you kind of have to be a friend. In other words, don't expect 26 friends to drop in the chair beside you, out of the sky. Okay? Be outgoing. That is, pursue friendship. And again, maybe you're thinking, but you don't understand. I, I'm really, I'm really painfully shy. I, I Actually, I do understand. 
But can I say this? Moses, I think, was very shy. I mean, he he had this same kind of argument with God. God, you're expecting too much of me. I, I, what would I say to Pharaoh? I, I don't know. And God said, uh, who made your mouth? Oh yeah, that was me. So, if God can give Moses words to say to a ruthless Pharaoh, I suppose that he can put words in our mouths to encourage one another to be friendly, to make friends with each other. Okay? Like I told you, it was going to be a long time for each person. We haven't even gotten to the first one. Here we go. <laughs> Romans 16, verse 1. Here's the list. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister. You guys want to do something weird today? You're like, we keep showing up, don't we? <laughs> How about every time we see a name here, we all say, Hi, Phoebe. Well, we don't say it to every name. We just say it the name that's here. Yeah. Because that's kind of where Paul's going. He's just saying, say hi to these folks. Okay, so here we go. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister. Hi, Phoebe. Who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of, uh, in, has, has need of you. For indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. First on Paul's say hi to list is Phoebe. Let me translate it for you here, what he's saying. He says, please welcome Phoebe. Uh, we're going to see, he, they've never met Phoebe before. Uh, we think she's bringing the letter with her. Please welcome Phoebe and help her in any way she needs you. For she has spent her life helping many people, myself included. Interesting. The very first person on the list is a woman. Bum, bum, bum. How many have you been, have been taught at one point or another that Paul was the president of the He-Man Woman Haters Club? <laughs> Sometimes that is taught. That is, is dead wrong. Very first on this list that Paul says, make sure and say hi to is Phoebe. He speaks very well of her here. He says she is a servant. The word is diakonos. It's a place we get the word deacon. We don't know if she was an official deacon in the church or if it was a, uh, a more general term. But she was a, a faithful servant and Paul was, was ready to point it out. And y'all, I am so thankful for all of the Phoebes that we have in our church. We have some awesome Phoebes in our church. He says, verse 1, I commend to you. In other words, he's saying, let me introduce you to Phoebe. And then he speaks very well of her. It's very likely that Paul met Phoebe in Centria. Uh, we know that Paul went to Centria to get his, his hair cut for a Nazarite vow. Maybe she cut his hair, I don't know. But here he discovers this faithful servant, and she apparently along the way says, hey, I'm headed to Rome. Uh, he's like, You're, you are? Hey, I, I'm, I'm just finishing up this, this letter to the Romans, would you carry it for me? Every, all scholars believe that she's the courier that took this letter. Now you have to understand, again, especially if you've been taught that, that Paul uh, was not a fan of women. You have to know the culture and how amazing this really is. In Jewish circles, and this was as good as you got. If you were a woman and you were a Jewish woman, you had it about as good as you'd get. And that was this. That you could be divorced if you burnt the toast. That was, some of the, the rabbis had actually gone that far to say that. 
Now, it got worse if you were a Roman or a Greek. You were thought of as property. You had no rights. And yet here, Phoebe is traveling and carrying in her robe perhaps the single most important letter ever written. Y'all, this is the book of Romans. (laughs) Weeks ago, was it months ago now? Months ago. We started the book of Romans. We said this is the letter that changes people's lives. Individually, collectively. This has changed societies. This letter that was carried in Phoebe's robe started the Reformation. It was the spark that began the Protestant Reformation. Paul trusted Phoebe with this treasure. In the midst of a culture that treated women like cattle... Paul said, would you carry this for me? Take this to the Romans. Galatians 3.28. Paul wrote these words too, by the way. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Y'all, that's a great verse actually for this whole list that we're going to look at. He says, neither Jew nor Greek. Because you're going to find Jewish names. You're going to find Greek Gentile names. You're going to find names that probably belong to slaves. You're going to find names that belong to freedmen. You're going to find names that were probably royalty. You're going to find male and female names. This all ties in beautifully with what we've learned in this book. Romans 3, in particular, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is righteous. No, not one. None of us deserves to be in heaven. But Jesus came and was willing to substitute his perfect life for our unrighteous life. And that's the great equalizer. That none of us have any right to brag except that, that God would dare to choose a sinner like me. Okay, now before we leave Phoebe, I want you to see in verse 2, it says that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. I think what he's saying is there, give her the welcome that is worthy that, that any good uh, Christian fellowship would. And maybe in today's term we would say, give her a Calvary Chapel welcome. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, the idea is that saints, y'all, are supposed to be warm and receptive people. This is the place where, it's not on my page, but I felt like the Lord was telling me, I'm gonna just going to pause the same place I did first service. There's, there's a, a big grand opening going on next door. And the owner is the guy who, uh, he helped build out our building. He actually, uh, out of his own money, helped put the walls up. We did the, a lot of the painting and stuff. He is a, is a great, uh, great guy to know. I don't think he believes any of the stuff that we believe. We have a choice, y'all, to be great neighbors, winsome citizens, and to, to bless him, or to be the people that uh, the, the news will tell you that Christians are. We are to be, when, when you walk out that door, you are a billboard, not only for Calvary Chapel, but especially for Christ, right? Treat our neighbor just like you would your neighbor whom you're trying to win for Christ, okay? All right, verse three. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Everybody say, hi, Priscilla and Aquila. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Most of you guys probably know these guys. 
Aquila and Priscilla, they are a famous couple. Seems like everywhere you turn, this couple turns up and they're always together. It's interesting, again, that Priscilla, did you see, is mentioned first. And Aquila is mentioned second. Uh, Aquila means eagle. Priscilla means ancient. (laughs) It does. So maybe Paul's thinking age before beauty. I don't know. Paul met them in Acts chapter 18. He met them in Corinth. Uh, They were Jews that had come from Rome and they were uh, exiled under orders of Emperor Claudius. So they meet up in Rome. They're tent makers. Paul's a tent maker. No doubt how they met. Likely that Paul won them through winsome behavior and uh, preaching the gospel. He won them to Christ. They loved him and bought into the gospel so much that they traveled with him to Ephesus. And then after that, uh, from Ephesus, it appears that they, would, they parted ways from Paul and they went back to Rome. So that um, they, they're talking with him. He's, he's sending uh, greetings here. And then later on, at the end of Paul's life, the last communique we have from Paul is to 2 Timothy. At the end of that, uh, that book, chapter 4, guess who he's saying? Say hi to again. Aquila and Priscilla. This is like this unstoppable, faithful team. Seems like everywhere you turn, Aquila and Priscilla are ministering. You guys remember too, they're the ones who took Apollos aside. He was preaching the gospel, preaching up a storm, amazing stuff, but it, some of it was wrong. And they said, hey, Apollos, come here. And they took him aside privately. So gentle, so uh, winsome, so sweet. They took him aside and said, let, let us instruct you in the, the way more thoroughly. And then Apollos turns into this amazing preacher. There they are, this couple, eagle and ancient. And it says here in verse 4, Who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles. That first phrase, the old King James puts it like this, They have for my life laid down their own necks. You guys ever heard the phrase, I'm sticking my neck out here? This is where this is from. It means to put your neck on the chopping block for another. It means to be ready to incur the most imminent peril to life and limb. We don't know the details, but ancient and eagle, they really stuck their necks out, literally, to save Paul from one of his many dangers. Somehow they came to his aid and they said, no, no, you let him go, we'll take the fall. Whatever it was, apparently they all emerged unscathed, so that's good. Now this reminds me though, They were willing to risk their life for Paul. Do you remember what he said in Romans chapter 5? When he's talking about how much Jesus loves us. And he goes, Romans 5 verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. It's kind of like Aquila and Priscilla are like, we're not going to just die for anybody, but Paul, that guy, he's doing things for Jesus. Now, if we just left it there, Okay, Paul is basically saying he's setting this up, but notice what he says in Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still devoted to sin, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus laid down his life for us while we were still rotten, dirty, filthy sinners. No wonder Jesus said, John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his... And he looks at this motley crew and says, Friends. Amazing. 
Paul continues now speaking about Priscilla and Aquila, verse 5. He says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. In other words, they had a house church, a home church, a home fellowship. Application. Maybe the Lord is telling you to join one. We've, we've got three home fellowships going right now. It would be awesome to have more. We have groups called Salt and Light uh, for ladies. Actually, uh, men, if you're interested in, jo- in starting a Salt and Light group, just pray and then start. As we grow, it's more and more important and harder for us to stay connected unless we're uh, diligent about making an effort to be connected. A great way to do that is through home fellowships. So maybe that's your application. Here's another application. Maybe you, husband, and you, wife, maybe your application is to be more like Aquila and Priscilla, where you're a team. You minister as a team, and you minister uh, just as much at the end of your lives as you do as you did at the beginning in the, in the, the part where you had all sorts of energy. Husbands and wives, what a great blessing to minister together as a team. Maybe that's your application. I won't ask you, though, which one of you is ancient. <clears throat> All right. He goes on. He says, you don't have to point at each other either. Um, he says, greet my beloved Eponidas. Everybody say, hi, Eponidas. Hi, Eponidas. Sounds like a dish at Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> hi, Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Paul says, hey, say hi to that guy. He was the first guy saved in Greece, in Achaia. Now, this is really interesting to me. He calls him the first fruits. This reminds me, if you noticed lately, Paul has been talking in, in priestly language. And the first fruits was the offering that the priest would give, one of the offerings he would give. What, what I see this as Paul, a lot of people, they, they, they ply in trade of things. They're like, okay, this is my trade. This is, uh, this is how I, I uh, this is what's important to me. What's important to Paul is people. And he says, I want you to greet Eponidas, who for me is the, the very first one that I offered up to Christ in this region. Awesome. Paul saw his solemn duty as offering up to Christ, sharing the gospel. And God brought a great harvest, and Eponidas was the very first fruits. Verse 6, greet Mary, who labored much for us. Everybody say, hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Verse 7, greet Andronicus. Hi, Andronicus. I don't know how a guy from Star Trek got on the list. <laughs> Greet Andronicus and Junia. Say, hi, Junia. hi Junia. Junia. My countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Now, there seems to be some question. We're not sure whether Junia is a male or a female name. Countrymen also, it could uh, actually be understood either way. So this could be two guys, a uh, missionary team, or it also could be a husband and wife team. Another one. Either way, here's what we know about them. Uh, they were, uh, it says they were fellow Jewish believers, countrymen, he says there. And they were apparently just as sold out as Paul was because he says they are my fellow prisoners. Paul says, hey, say hi to my fellow jailbirds. They had a jail ministry together. They were co-prisoners for the gospel of Christ. Then he says, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Two more important things about Andronicus and Junia. First, that they were widely respected by the apostles. That's pretty amazing. Again, whether it's a husband and wife team or just two guys, 
but they were widely respected. So if you were to go to, to Peter, the Apostle Peter, you'd be like, oh yeah, Andronicus Jr., they're, they're awesome. Uh, Paul would, would say the same. Widely respected by the, the uh, highest ranking apostles. Interesting to me. Have you ever thought about this? If you were going to write the who's who in the early church, you wouldn't find it in the biggest church. You find it in the prisons. You find it in the dungeons. The dark, go to the darkest dungeon, chances are you can find someone who should be in the who's who. But also notice it says that they had been saved longer than Paul. They were in Christ before me. Think about that for a quick second. What that means is these two people, there was a time in their Christian life when they got the word. You'll never believe it. Guess who got saved? Oh, let me think. Who's, who's the last person I would think would be saved? Uh, Saul? <clears throat> How'd you do that? They, were, they heard the word that Saul, the guy who had been murdering Christians, dragging them to prison, that he was radically saved. He was converted. And now he was going by the name Paul, which means little. Amazing that they would... They would get to, to be part of that to, to see it. Who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Now verse 8. He says, greet Amplius. Everybody say, hi Amplius. Hi, Amplius. My beloved in the Lord. Amplius means large. <laughs> and beloved is agapetos. It's little loved one. Interesting. I've met a few. I wonder if he was a really big guy and they, they called him tiny. Right? This is another reminder here that individuals matter to God. I mean, so little is said here, but his name is included. Listen, if you are here this morning and you don't think that you matter to God, you're so mistaken. His name here is written forever. For 2,000 years, pastors like me have been talking, maybe not for very long, but about Amplius. The Bible says, unless your name is written in the book of life, because Jesus has paid your debt, you'll be forgotten. You won't be in heaven. You can change that today by surrendering your life to Him. Greet Amplius, my beloved, in the Lord. Verse 9, he says, greet Urbanus. Everybody say, hi, Urbanus. Our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachys. Everybody say, hi, Stachys. My beloved. Urbanus. It's where Urban Meyer got his name. It means of the city. Urban, right? Stachys means ear of corn. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. So Paul had friends who were both city slickers and cornbread rednecks. Verse 10. Great Apelles. Everybody say hi, Apelles. Read Apelles, um, who is approved. Now, that word approved doesn't just mean, hey, he's well thought of. No, it means tested and approved. So maybe you're going through something today. Right here, don't forget, the trial that, that you're in, if God allowed it, he's desiring that you would come through with flying colors. Greet Apelles, approved, that is tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Everybody say, hi, Aristobulus. This is getting harder, isn't it? Um, This is pretty interesting. Aristobulus, uh, the the history records indicate that this probably was the grandson 
of Herod the Great. So the the gospel reaches royalty as well. Because Paul says, look, I want you to say hi to all of the family of Aristobulus. Okay, verse 11, another possible royal name, great, great Herodian. Everybody say, hi, Herodian. Herodian. My countryman. So he's a Jew. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Everybody say, hi, Narcissus. Now, y'all, this really, if you haven't already started to notice, this really should show the inclusiveness of the gospel. Because Herodian means heroic. And Narcissus, I thought it meant self-involved, self-love. It actually means stupidity. (laughs) Really. So the gospel reaches both the heroic and the stupid. No looking around. Don't look around at each other. Verse 12, greet Tryphena. Everybody say, hi, Tryphena. And Tryphosa. Hi, Tryphosa. Who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis. Hi, Persis. Who labored much in the Lord. Here in verse 12, three hardworking ladies for Christ. All female names. Particularly striking to me is these first two. It's not a stretch to think that perhaps they were twins. Tryphena and Tryphosa. Listen to what their names mean. Tryphena, luxurious. Tryphosa, luxuriating. So I get the picture of two girls born with twin silver spoons in their mouths. And yet here, like they, they, they've got matching outfits, right? Matching servants, matching chariots. And yet here it says they are hard working. Jesus turns spoiled folks into hard workers, and yet he gives the the hard-working, heavy-laden rest. Verse 13, it says, Greet Rufus. Everybody say, Hi, Rufus. That's a name we can pronounce. That's good. Rufus means red. Uh, My son Isaac, he's a redhead. Sometimes I call him red. So when you see him, say, Hi, Rufus. No, don't. Don't confuse him. Um, Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother and mine. Interesting... uh, the commentators seem to think that Rufus's dad is the one who carried the cross for Jesus. Way, way back. It would have been many years ago at this point. But his mom apparently was also in the family of God. And Paul says, greet his mom. She's been like a mom to me. See the rich, uh, warm relationships that Paul enjoyed. Verse 14. Greet Asyncretitis. Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Ha, never mind. Uh, verse 15. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Notice that first one, Philologus. This is awesome. When you break it down, it means lover of the word. Philo means to love, and logos, the word. Greet the lover of the word. I hope that describes you. If you have grown to have a great love of the word of God, please consider that Paul's greeting to you this morning. Hey, each one who loves the word of God, I greet you, Paul says. Then he says, uh, Julia, it means soft-haired. And Nereus, okay, I kid you not, Nereus means lump. I don't know who named their kids all these things, but. And then Olympus means heavenly. So Paul says in verse 15 hey, say hi to 
the lover of the word, and Olympia, and Julia, and Lumpy, and his sister. (laughs) Now, do you need to be any more convinced that Romans was written to real people like you and me? To the people we would think of from our perspective as heroic. Some of us ancient. Some of us stupid sometimes. And even a guy here called Lumpy. This tells me, y'all, that anyone can be transformed. Paul didn't write this to the super spiritual Christian. There are slaves here. There's a whole stack of people, a, a mixed multitude just like we have here. And Paul wrote this to them, this wonderful transforming letter that, that Jesus can, can substitute his righteousness for yours and set you on a path to be more and more conformed into his image. Verse 16, he closes this way, this section. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, if you have complained to me that you hate that time when I make you say hello to each other, it could be worse. (laughs) Right? He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. So everybody on this end of the letter says hello to all y'all. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy. And your goodness. And I thank you for these disciples, Lord. Down through the ages, you are still speaking uh, through Paul. A man who, as attached as he was to you, Lord, he had more friends, Lord, than I think we would imagine. He was just as you are, Lord, approachable, friendly. He made himself friendly. And he enjoyed the, the fruits of friendship. And he had prayer partners wherever he went, it seems. Thank you, Lord, and I ask that you would help us, Lord. You would duplicate that effort in us. Lord, help us to be friendly toward one another. Help us to be winsome. Help us to be sharing our prayer requests with each other. Help us to wrestle together, Lord, to strive together in prayers, Lord. um, Help us, Lord, how much we need each other. Lord, make us, uh, even even when we need uh, the supernatural ability to remember names, Lord, I pray that you'd give it to us. In every way, I pray that you'd be glorified um, in in the, the presence of, of your beloved, your people whom you love so much that you died for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.